Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking. And others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. Well, welcome back. This is phase one, episode Five. We are almost towards the end. How you doing, Pat? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I am doing well. And we are not alone, are we? We have a special guest with us uh, to help us talk about Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, Mr. Michael Butler. How you doing, guys? So uh, for those who don't know, Mr. Butler is a co-host with me and I guess co-producer, co-everything on the other podcast that I do, Forgotten Cinema. Mike, why don't you break down what Forgotten Cinema is about? <laughs> I'm laughing because I always tell, I was like, hey, Mike, tell everyone what it's about. It's my, it's my lot in life. <laughs> tell people the plot. Forgotten Cinema is a podcast about movies that, for whatever reason, seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether because a movie didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run or another movie came out at the same time that kind of eclipsed it. We talk about what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. And uh, yeah, throughout the podcast, we throw out fun facts. You know, um, notes about production, what we thought, our viewing notes, and then we get into why it was forgotten. Absolutely. So that's we do that. We have a new episode every Wednesday, and uh, we've been doing that for oh, it's got to be a year now, pretty much. Yes, In, yeah. it, it, it's a year. Um, we're coming up on a year. We're coming up on much. a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I joke that Mike's a guest star because we all know each other. Pat knows Mike, and you know, so it's it's we wanted to get. I wanted to get Mike on here because I knew he said his favorite Marvel movie was Captain America First Avenger, right? Yeah. Well, one of your well, one of your first favorites, maybe. It was my first favorite, and Cap's my favorite. Right. Like right. Yeah. That's yeah. And, well, and I also like the Hulk, but I don't like how they what they do. <laughs> yeah. the Hulk so join the club. So plus, you know, it's just good to have another voice in here, and and I know, and so Pat can have a, somebody who can agree with him on a lot of stuff, <laughs> because apparently I hate this movie according to these guys. So, but let's let's get into it. Like we will get into the movie. We'll talk a little bit about the movie, and then we'll we'll dive into all the comic book and and MCU stuff. So, Captain America: The First Avenger came out on July twenty second, two thousand eleven. It's a runtime of 124 minutes. It's a PG-13 film. Production budget of $140 million. It's opening weekend, it did $65 million. Domestic, $176. And worldwide, $370 million. So uh, obviously another hit for Marvel. And the last, uh, the final Paramount Pictures movie before Disney swoops them up, right? I still believe Avengers is Paramount. This, uh, the note I had said it was the final one, but that could be right. Do you know anything about that, Butler, or no? I do not know anything. Okay. I think, I thought the deal was six movies, so that got him to Avengers, and then Disney took over with Iron Man three. Is the next I, one yeah, after that? Maybe, yeah. I, I don't will know. say that Box Office Mojo does list Avengers as Walt Disney Studios. Okay, then I was wrong. Gotcha. Well, they list it now as well. They list Captain America. Okay, America right, 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 right. Okay, all right. So directed by Joe Johnston, writer written by Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, music by Alan Silvestri, cinematography by Shelley Johnson, and produced obviously by Kevin Feige. And I'll run through the cast and then we'll get right into the movie. 
Um, unless you guys want to, you have any comments on the writers and directors and whatnot. I mean, we can get into it as we go forward, uh, but yeah, I was no. going to talk about Alan Silvestri, but we can talk about that later when we get deeper into the connections of the MCU. Absolutely. Go ahead. So we'll, I will tease we'll that. Save that. So yeah. Silvestri's coming up. Uh, Chris Evans is uh, our Captain America, as you all already know, as Steve Rogers. Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Tommy Lee Jones as Chester Phillips. And I got to tell you, I forgot that Tommy Lee Jones was in this movie. And I, I, I first I saw him like, oh, he's in this. OK. And I'm like, he's in this a lot. <laughs> and I almost wonder if they told him you're doing a World War II movie. But they didn't tell him it was Captain America. <laughs> Sebastian, so go ahead. What's maybe up? they got, maybe they said, hey, listen, Anthony Hopkinson is doing this too. Will you agree if we get both of you on board? <laughs> and so with Hopkinson going to Thor, he's like grumbling. Yeah, okay, I'll do this one. We'll make it a war movie. <laughs> uh, Sebastian Stan is Bucky Barnes. And we obviously you'll learn about him later on he becomes the winter soldier is that right yes, yes. okay uh hugo weaving as johan schmidt also affectionately known as red skull dominic cooper as young howard stark which is a little weird because i, I when we get into the mcu stuff yeah. i want to go into that uh with how you see john slattery later the, on the slattering yeah okay <laughs> slattery. <laughs> stanley tucci is dr abraham erskine i said that right yes okay toby jones is dr arnim zola yep okay Neil McDonough is Dum Dum Dugan. Love that guy. I love Neil McDonough too. And I just got through his season on Justified and then went back and watched him on this. And I love Neil McDonough. Yeah. No, he's, more and more. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He doesn't care what he's in. He'll just no. put his all into it. Yeah. No matter what. And Derek Luke finally is Gabe Jones, which uh, I don't, I mean, I know there's other people in here. I just, those are the guys I listed. If you guys know anybody else and. No, I mean, you don't want anybody of note in this movie. Natalie Dormer. That Natalie is Dormer, on our, yeah. we, we want to put out a poll um, in conjunction with Iron Man 2, the most wasted talent in the MCU <laughs> with, with Kate Mara being a U.S. Marshal and Natalie Dormer being, I don't know, a secretary. But you're or not something. supposed to root for her because she kisses Cap in right. front of Carter. She's just thanking him uh, in... Thanking him for his for, service. For all the wives out there who can't thank him. <laughs> for bringing their men home. Oh, that, is that how all the wives are going to thank him? Interesting. That's how all the wives are going to thank him. Uh, so real quick, I mean, I'll let you guys, if you guys want to tag team this, just kind of give us what this movie, what happens in this movie. Real brief, real quick. Uh, if you if you guys want to both kind of give us a breakdown of Captain America, the first Avenger, and then we'll just get into what we thought about it, which I know you guys both liked it. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Rogers is a corny kid from Brooklyn. He wants to stand up to bullies. He gets rejected from every application he tries to make to join the U.S. Army. And finally, Dr. Erskine uh, brings him into the super soldier program where he gets jacked up on steroids. <laughs> and, then he, um, <laughs> and then he goes and uh, joins the war effort with his Holland commandos and fights the evil Nazi scientific arm Hydra and the Red Skull. And then eventually gets lost and frozen Aww. in ice as he downs a, a spy plane headed for that New York. was a quick synopsis. Nice. Yeah. Nicely done. Much Nicely better done. than the Thor synopsis we did last <laughs> week. I mean, do you, where do you want to start off? I don't, Mike. Well, new Mike. New Mike. <laughs> new Mike. <laughs> new Mike. <laughs> that, re that implies that I'm leaving. <laughs> um, Wait a minute. What's going on here? <laughs> this is one of your favorites. So why is it one of your favorites? And... Well, the, my other favorite would probably be Guardians of the Galaxy because it was it's of the Marvel movies that kind of after this, they all kind of became, in my opinion, very samey in terms of like you're copying the Iron Man look and feel. And this film really like Joe Johnson was probably like, screw that. We're doing a movie that takes place in the 40s. 
I want to do Steven Spielberg's Captain America, which is because mm-hmm. he comes from the school of Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So I kind of appreciate that. Like Joe Johnson's like Spielberg light. And, True. Uh, I, I like the coloring of the movie. I like Captain America's costume. This is the only this is the only one for a while, at least that actually is palatable um, until like the, the end game Infinity War costume. I hate his costume in Avengers. Oh, you hate the. Um, oh, the. Oh, right. The bright blue I, I hooded one. one. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, so I like I like how they designed everything. I like the spy plane Dick Tracy look of all the other vehicles and and Red Skull's car and I think the ensemble cast of getting Hugo Weaving, even though he hates this role. <laughs> uh, did he ret- he returned in Endgame? He did not. That wasn't him. That wasn't okay. him. There was some other best impression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and Stanley Tucci as well. Um, like they're just really great and ensemble cast and Chris Evans really blew me away as Captain America. Mm-hmm. I had known him as, you know, Fantastic Four romantic comedies where he's always the douche. And it's just like, oh, yeah. I was really pulling for John Krasinski. Cause I was like, he like a dorky guy who could suddenly become Captain America. Mm-hmm. So when he was up for the final running, I was like, Oh him. But then Chris Evans was like, he is Captain America to me now. I thought Krasinski turned it down. Cause he didn't want to sign a seven picture deal. That's what I, I heard. Yeah, that's right. That could be. Yeah, I mean, because they know. offered it to him. But you see, you should watch. You need money. to watch. You need to see Chris Evans in Fierce Creatures, uh, because he's really good. Then he's so, not a douchey romantic. Well, once guy. he did Captain America, I think it afforded him the ability to start doing those right. independent features and stuff. Where he no, he did Fierce Creatures before oh, that. Yeah, you should watch him in that. But and, I, like I even liked him as the douche. It's yeah, I got you. I always saw him yeah. as like that smarmy guy. Like I it was like, he's got to be like on Superman's level of like that's someone to look up to, and he really kind of took that and ran with it. Both, I would say. Outside of it, too, you know, we were just talking where he's launching political stuff, which we could get into that a whole nother time. But he has <laughs> taken to Twitter in defense of democracy. And I think he's he's capitalized on some of the. He's a good dude. Coral. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the character portrayals, too, though. And I know he's and, big on going to children's hospitals and yeah. stuff like that and raising money. And, you know, a lot like a lot of the MCU guys, you know, I got to give them credit. Like um, Robert Denny Jr. works with kids that have mm-hmm. like amputees and stuff like that and getting them like cool Iron Man arms and. Yeah. Captain America goes to the hospitals with Chris Pratt and like like basically competes against each other and like who can visit the most hospitals and stuff, which I think is really cool. Good for them. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. One of the things you talked about was the 40s, the, that look. I mean, there's definitely a romanticism about that time, mm-hmm. obviously, because we're 80, 70, 80 years away from or away from that right now. So you kind of always think about the past in a romantic way. And, you know. I think to go with to to go along with your point, I agree with you. Like there's it, it looks great. It's a great look. And um, whether it's true to life or not, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we always romanticize something we don't know too much about. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I, I like the look of the film. It's again, another movie where it's a personal journey, but it's, it's like an origin story, but there's no typical origin tale like stuff in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like he gets the serum and then it's just like, OK, boom, go. You know, yeah. they almost like do all that stuff when he's skinny in terms of like the flag bit when he's training and he they get the flag. He gets the flag. Right. So it shows his intelligence that he's not just, you know, he had to learn to be smarter. Right. And we see that pop up in a couple other movies later on. You know, he's he's wholesome, but he's willing to sacrifice himself. The grenade bit. The grenade yep. bit. Yeah. And then once you're right, once you get to and this was my bigger, biggest complaint probably about the film is once you get into the war with cap actually serving in the war post saving Bucky and everybody else from right. the POW camp is it's, it's montage heavy. Him becoming the legend of captain America yes. is montaged over. Absolutely. I feel like that's because they want to rush him into present day, which yeah. I think kind of ruins characters like Arnim Zola. Cause now you're pushing him into the future and mm-hmm. you really don't get um, the other big Hydra guy that he fought in world war two. 
that now gets pushed and he's going to be a, the Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier bad guy. Is it um, Baron Zemo? It's ba- Baron Zemo. Which, but he made it, they kind of updated his origin. Right. In, God, um, but I feel like that's because they wanted to fast forward to the future so quick. Yeah. But all that stuff should have happened in his 40s adventures, which mm-hmm. I would have liked to see more of. Yeah. But, I wouldn't yeah. have minded it. I mean, I know. I get that you want to join them up. Well, that's quick. the thing. Yeah. We, you're, we talk about all the time how the MCU is becoming like this beast and this creature where it, it's fast forwarding to like a certain point and all these characters that you have a rich history where you can, you know, have Captain America in the 40s or like even Spider-Man with his friendly neighborhood stuff like that stuff can't do it anymore because it needs to go along with the massive beast that is becoming the MCU at this point. So I agree. Yeah, absolutely. All I'm picturing yeah. is like this blob just made up of like it is. <laughs> Can you imagine like the writer's room? Can you imagine if you just break down the entire MCU and you're on a whiteboard and like everybody's in the, okay, this is what we got. And you're just like, oh my God, what they've have we done? Screen, yeah, with a giant password. It's like, do, 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 and it's yeah. just like a web and it's yeah. just like where everything's going. There's got to be, like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just got to be huge. Security guards in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the, you mentioned Zola, the Ar- Arnim Zola character played by Toby Jones. Yeah. Now, in this movie, I guess maybe this might be a little bit more for the MCU in general, but in this movie, he's kind of not all bad, I guess it, like he is, but like, cause like he's afraid of red skull, right? That's what they yeah, give the impression. A, he's a Nazi. No, I, I, I'm not, <laughs> look, Hey man, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he's a, maybe in terms of he's afraid of red skull. He's afraid. He's, yeah. He's afraid of red skull. He's afraid of Schmidt. He's and Toby Jones plays it well, but he's all about Hydra. He's all about Hydra. Okay. He's a Hydra guy. And, and so when you see him, you know, he gets he gets offered a job like a lot of you know Nazis had done mm-hmm. to join, you know, science organizations. And, and so you start to realize that infiltration of Hydra very early on. Like when you go back and rewatch this after watching Winter Soldier, you're like, oh, yeah, this is when they started to bring in some of those Hydra agents right. into the organization. And it's no wonder that Hydra was able to take over mm-hmm. Richard Armitage, his little cameo. Oh, right. Right. In the, in the, the senators like. um assistant basically like he's he's way deep in the government already yeah like i that got just you hydra's already in the government yeah. like not even even before zola comes on zola just develops that technology to help them grow even further is hydra always hydra's always a part of the captain america lore it's a part of the whole marvel right but we, well, obviously yeah. we don't ever see it until now right is that because captain america takes place back in the 40s you know what i mean like this is one of the first ones that's more like in the past so they're kind of setting it up that way yeah i mean i think because they're setting up hydra that way and you know there was a lot of evil organizations there's hydra there's aim advanced idea mechanics who we meet in iron man 3 a lot of them popped up you know kind of in the 60s time frame when cap gets revived you're talking the comics the comics yeah so i think they utilize this as a like instead of just having red skull be a straight-up nazi right they were able to bring in some comic book counterparts and lay the groundwork for for right. later on. So just about Red Skull. And I mentioned this to Butler before, I think yesterday. Um, I don't think I mentioned it to you. So we have another villain in this, but it's not, he's not really Cap's villain. He's, he's not, he's not his direct opposite. Like Cap wants to kill Nazis or Cap wants to go over and I don't want to kill anybody. I know he says that he wants Beat to go boys. over and fight Nazis. And then he discover kind of stumbles upon this Hydra group or Red Skull and, and, and you know, he's going to stop him. And, okay, let's wipe him out. But Red Skull never really has like, I've got to put take out Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, like I would disagree. No, I I'm think just, once he sees Captain America and he's jealous, even though he thinks he's disappeared, Billy sure. being, it's pretty clear that he's jealous that Cap got to mm-hmm. keep his face and that um, Tucci's character 
finished the serum and perfected it. Right. And that now he's the one dealt the, the, the worse hand. I feel like maybe Captain America doesn't feel the same way about Red Skull. Like he's just another Nazi to kill. Sure. Or beat up. But to Red Skull, Captain America is his arch enemy. He's that. You think he feel you got that really? Yang. Off yeah. of that one fight on the walkway that separates that, that, and then when he meets him again, yeah, okay. And he talks about it to Zola a couple of times. Yeah, he's all mad about like he's clearly got that's even though they've he's killed Tucci's character, like there a little bit of him still exists that he's mm-hmm. got to get rid of. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Do you have I'd any other? What's up? No, I'd agree with that. Do you have any other kind of notes about the movie in and of itself compared to like the last four we've watched, Iron Man? Uh, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor. Is this the best of them so far? I still think Iron Man 1 is, and then this one's a close second. How about you? I don't like Iron Man 1 anymore. Really? Like the first time I saw it, like when it was the only one, and now I think it has great act one, and act two and three are just, I, I don't want to watch them. Well, yeah, we talk about like the, act, the, act, the act three and a lot of these. Everything. Once he comes home, the movie is just not fun for me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just like no. I mean, it's not Iron Man two, <laughs> but <laughs> nothing. It's, I think Captain America is basically of the phase one, probably right. the best of phase one, in my opinion. You had mentioned already, and I already talked about it. Definitely has that added bonus of the forties of that time period. It's able to get away from being a cookie cutter right film. It, like you're able to do directors, the writers, the designers are able to do more of their own more of their own into it right and we told you talked about alan silvestri the music is really good the the, yeah, the, the score is really good in this do you have, have what's up no i was gonna ask you because you guys are our forgotten cinema experts i kind of feel that this one's the dark horse of the phase one of the mcu but broader mcu in general do you guys agree do you think it's forgotten you in, know in terms of being a good movie in terms of being a good movie in terms of its maybe its place in the mcu because i think when people go and name their favorites iron man's up there all the Avengers are up there. Civil War, Winter Soldiers, you know, I feel higher. like the general audience, yeah. yeah, like that more cookie cutter comic book, mm-hmm. bright and colorful. Yeah, let's all go to the movies kind of look. Yeah. And Captain America definitely has that World War II feel. It's not something that's really that kids really, I think, appreciate or like as much. It's not as fun. It's not as quippy. I like there are quips and there are some fun moments that I think like from Tucci and, and Tommy Lee Jones really do have a good a couple of good one liners. But for the most part, I don't think it's, you know, it's it's not Iron Man and it's it's not Civil War and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You don't have your know, underoos. You're not calling yeah, it not Spider-Man. Yeah. Do you like the uh, do you like the action set pieces in this one? Like the, just the action in Captain America? I like the action. I don't like like he's like, like the montage takes up too much time. And that there's a lot of action in that montage that could have been used for an actual action sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm OK with the montage. I wish maybe there was one more scene where him and the Howling Commandos were yeah, working together. Yeah. yeah. So instead of like because they open it up and they're the one guy who like rolls out of the woods and pumps the bomb up onto the, the tank the truck, or whatever yeah. there's the truck. And that that's kind of the longest pause within that montage if they did maybe another because it's what is it? it's two hours uh it's 124 minutes yep yeah yep. so it's you know you could have added maybe another seven eight minutes yeah got a good full scene with yeah, them match the other marvel movies then go into the montage yeah and i think that would have worked because instead you go into the montage and then when it slows down you know oh shit like something's gonna happen now because time to get serious and that's when we lose Bucky. It, yeah yeah do you think this movie would have benefited instead of having him go on that tour to sell bonds where they just did get rid of that subplot after Erskine gets shot and Tommy Lee Jones, like he tried, he basically put me in, let me do something. And they, he like, he doesn't believe him. And like, you kind of have that same thing where he, he has him on the front lines, but he doesn't have him do anything. And he goes in and just does it anyway. Mm-hmm. Kind of would that have been 
easier if that was 20 minutes earlier and, and just get rid of the bondsman stuff where he's selling bonds to people who think that would have been made this a little bit more then you could have had some more stuff with the what are the howling commandos is that what you said yeah. yeah would you have had more stuff with them would that have been better i don't know i kind of like the bond okay the selling the bond scenes i thought that was a good you know he, he gets in there he's nervous you know and you see it evolve over time and that ties back to the character's origins and a lot of what was going on in the comic books. I, I love yeah. that. And you, you see yeah. the comic book. You see the comic sold. book, yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Well, we can get into that. We can get yeah. into the and differences. the song's kind of catchy. <laughs> 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 All right, so why don't we, since, well, hold on. Before we get into the comic stuff, let's talk about the Stanley sighting like we always like to do. Where is he? Come on, man. Oh, you're killing no, me. I, Actually, I, I blocked him out this time. He's it's in, not as obnoxious as it, it gets later on. Uh, when uh, Captain America is going to get his Medal of Valor for oh. saving Bucky and his crew when they're trying to call him out and the senator's assistant runs out and whispers mm-hmm. in his ears. Stan Lee is one of the generals in the audience. And he goes, oh, I thought he'd be taller. Okay. And I sighed. Yeah, so okay, so we do not like that. <laughs> no, I, and I, I think they get worse and worse as we go. Yeah. The first couple, I, I would say the phase one is actually okay. I think the Russo brothers do a decent job when they have to play him, especially in the last two movies. Okay. But other than that, like well, some of them just get so obnoxious where they take you out of the movie and it's like, what are we doing? Well, we don't have to, we don't have to save this for the next episode of yeah. where we're talking about the Avengers, but since Mike's here, what of the phase one, what's his best cameo? What's the one that's the least, I guess, cringy, cringeworthy. I love the one in the Hulk. When he dies? When he dies. <laughs> when he drinks the Hulk soda and he dies. I thought that was, I thought that was hilarious. I think least cringy might be, it's still cringy, but maybe Iron Man 1 where he, they think he's Hefner and he just turns around and he's like, oh, hey, Hugh. And he just turns around. He doesn't have a, he just says, uh, like has a kind of doesn't have a line. Those, yeah. those are the best one. You don't yeah. Like yeah, you know what? I, yeah. I, I could go with that. Nonverbal yeah. is good. And so he just turns around and it's there and you move on and it doesn't like. He's just such a personality that hearing yeah. his voice just takes you out of. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, they become. Absolutely. It's like, it's, it's really difficult to stay in the movie when. You get the Stan Lee sighting and everyone's like, ah, what, what's going on? Like, you know, it's yeah. yeah. If he were still alive and they finally made him the watcher, it would be more palatable. OK, because at, yeah. at least then he would have a purpose. Well, explain like, that. I get that explain that for everybody, because I have no idea. What I think Pat about. could probably do it better than me. I, Pat, I have a, a the, watcher. the watcher. So the watcher, <laughs> generally speaking, he's a, um, he's a is he a watcher? He's a watcher. <laughs> he's a cosmic character that essentially watches the actions and goings on of the Marvel Universe and and occasionally enters into the fray you know during the times of of big crises and and so he's he's always there he's always looking he's always you know essentially watching i think they is he wait a minute hold on have you guys seen the spongebob movie the last one where no. um the spongebob like uh goes where with antonio banderas when he steals the the recipe okay there's a there's a there's a character in that that is like the old power it's a dolphin and the, the dolphin can time traveling. Is he like that character? Like he just, he, he yeah. He, oh, that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. Best yes. as I can give you. So obviously for, for all the, for all those out yes, there, it's just like that SpongeBob. Hold on, dolphin. hold on for SpongeBob sponge out of water for all those out there, for all those out there. It's obvious that I have kids of the three of us. But go ahead. Continue, Pat. I'm sorry. Um, no, I mean, that, that that's basically it. He's yeah. He's, he's omnipotent being that just, oversees a lot of what happens in the Marvel universe and he, and he enters into 
the world in, in these times of, in these times of crisis. So I believe in one of the movies, I don't know if it's Guardians 2, maybe it's Thor Ragnarok. I think it's Rag- where they kind of hint it. And where they kind of hint Ragnarok, it, where he's like yeah. sitting there on an asteroid talking to others saying, oh, I was down. I was a FedEx guy. I was this guy. I was that guy. Oh, I remember So they kind of hint at it. And then, you know, he, he had passed away. So they weren't able to continue, even if they, I don't know if they planned to do it or not. Captain Marvel's was all right, too, where he's reading his ball rat scripts. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted, at that time, I was a Federal Express man. Hey, fellas. Hey, wait, where are you going? Hey, you were supposed to be my lift home. Let's move on. Let's get into some Butler for if you're not aware. I know I've told you, but for everyone out there. So we like to just kind of show the differences between what we see in this movie and then what was in the comic and where they got their, I guess, source material from. Mm-hmm. And Pat, Pat knows a lot about that. I know you know some of that. I know you're more of a DC guy, as you said to me before. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like Cap. I know more good. Cap than most. So then this is good. So yeah. this, a lot of times, this is usually me just asking Pat, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? Which I'm fine <laughs> with because I don't mind hearing about it. So what I was looking up, Pat, I was trying to find some stuff in just kind of like where a lot of the stuff from this movie came from. Mm-hmm. I only saw two things and, and I don't know if you want to lead off at something, but the only thing I saw was, and you can go from there was the red skull being an original test subject was from captain America volume one, number three fifty. Does that ring a bell to you? Yeah. He was, stuff? I mean, same thing. Um, let me go ahead. You know what? Go ahead. You, you, you tell us where you want to start. I wanted to do a quick, because this is the first comic that we're seeing introduced prior to the rest of the Marvel Universe. So okay. just do a quick back history. Captain America created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. The same Jack Kirby that we know from the rest of the Marvel Universe in the 60s. He came, he premiered in Captain America Comics number one, which premiered about nine months before the attack on Pearl Harbor. So it was right around the time when, you know, American sentiment was, you know, it was kind of split 50-50, get in the war, get out of the war. We want to support England. It was a very patriotic comic. I believe it was the first cover where he's punching Hitler in the face, one of those iconic images. So, you know, for context, Superman premiered in 1938, Batman in 1939. Robin actually came out in 1940, which is important because everybody was getting kid sidekicks at the time, hence... (laughs) Bucky. Um, oh, Bucky was a kid sidekick. He was in a kid comic? sidekick. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there was a boom of comic books between 1938 and, and like 1941, 42, where you had Namor, the original Human Torch, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, all these, you know, everybody and anybody that you could think of selling millions and millions of issues a month, which, you know, it, it dwarfs what the sales today is like. He wasn't created for Marvel Comics, he was created for Timely Comics, which was the predecessor to Marvel which actually ended with the same run of Captain America in 1950. And then it became Atlas Comics. And then finally, by the time Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and the rest of the guys kind of took over the world in the 60s, that's when it became the Marvel Comics we know and love. I think we talked about in the Iron Man one, they don't change Tony's, or they change the war that Tony gets caught up in. Same thing with the Punisher. They go from Vietnam to, you know, the first Gulf War to, the current Iraq war, they never changed that for Cap. He's always World War II. He's yeah. on purpose because that's... Someone's the- got to punch Hitler. Yeah, Somebody's <laughs> got to punch Hitler. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you could change that because it's so integral. We talked last week about the Ultimates. Yes. I guess. So in that one, I have that he woke up in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's... Is that the only time they've done that kind of storyline? No. So he... Um, after the 50s, when he 
gets frozen on ice. He shelved for 14 years, give or take. In the, in the comics. In the comics. Okay. In the comics. So then he, like, nobody touches him. There was a brief, somebody else came in and took over the name of Captain America, but that didn't, that didn't last. So they reintroduced Steve Rogers as Captain America in an early Avengers issue. And they basically say, yeah, he was frozen. His last mission, he tried to down a bomb and got frozen right. because of it. So that's also held pretty pretty standard. Sa- yeah. Red Skull, same guy? Same, same, same guy. Uh, Johann Schmidt is... Uh, the original Red Skull was actually a... It was like an airplane manufacturer. <laughs> he was in one or two issues. He tried to rob banks so that he could raise enough funds to overthrow the U.S. government. We're just going to start saying <laughs> hashtag because comics. <laughs> <laughs> then eventually Johann Schmidt took over. He was the right-hand man to Hitler. He was, you know, eventually they said he was a test subject as yeah. well. And so Cap and him have fought on and off for 70 years. In the comics, he's way more, way more all about Hitler. Yeah. In, the, in this, they really downplay the Hydra's connection with the Nazis. They really try to up it like, oh, they don't like Nazis either. And it's just like, there's even a deleted scene in the film that um, where the 107th goes up against a whole platoon of Nazis. And then they think they're going to get killed. And then Hydra's troops come in and wipe out all the Nazis with their future guns okay. and then kidnap the 107th. Hmm. There's actually a scene with that. So it's like, I think feel like that's like Paramount or Disney. The writer's going, you know, let's let's underscore some Nazi stuff. Because there's really yeah. not a Nazi symbol or flag anywhere in the movie, I don't think. I think the only thing comes up when, I think Erskine says something, oh, you want to go kill Nazis. And yeah. then during the bond sales. They say Nazis a couple of times. Yeah, they no, say it a couple of times. And then no during imagery. the bond sales, they have him punching Hitler. Yeah, but I don't but even hit Hitler. That's it. I don't his think- arm. Or at least they don't. Yeah, I don't think you ever see the swastika. A lot of the movies, any movies, they don't even do the swastika correctly. They do it wrong. It's always wrong on screen. And then they destroy it when they're done. Yep. I will add, though, in recent comics for Red Skull, he's no longer Schmidt. Okay. So. In recent comics, you mean in in today's time? In today's comics, yeah. In in today's comics. Eventually, the Red Skull Schmidt had had gotten killed. Um, But in the same time, he used the Cosmic Cube. Our fancy little glowing box that we see here and in, in, in the rest of the movie. Which is the Tesseract, right? It's the Tesseract. But yeah. like, why don't we call it that? I have got some questions about the Tesseract, but go ahead. <laughs> I think that might be best for when we talk about its role in the MCU, but go yeah. ahead. The Red Skull now is actually this KGB general named Alexander Lucan. So Red Skull, as he was dying, used the cube to transfer his essence into Lucan, who okay. also was killed and then brought back to life by his wife because comics. <laughs> <laughs> They went from Nazis to fighting the Russians. So, you know, he tries to keep it relevant. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I do. I do kind of feel bad for for Gap. No matter when he comes back to life, there are always Nazis to fight. (laughs) Maybe you've asked Pat this before. I have not asked him. Go Um, for it. As someone who's read them myself, what do you think of the Ultimates comics? Because I I really enjoy most of them, but not all of them. I have never. I think some of the storylines. I, I enjoyed don't like the f- how they took it. But I like what was most it like it. Ultimates three was really really bad. That was the Jeff Loeb one, like the later uh, ones. When they start teaming up, yeah, it gets a little weird. I think. Yeah, and I it think it's a little dark. It does. <laughs> yeah, it gets really. I think yeah, it gets bad. The original Ultimates that was fantastic. Right, I, I think that was one of the best comics of the last decade. I I don't I haven't read it in a while. I don't know how well it holds up to today. Yeah. You know, just given changes in storyline and all that other stuff. But I think it was definitely one of the most, it was one of the most enjoyable ones. So um, I remember stumbling upon the Ultimate Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, oh, this is cool how they're rebooting everything. And then, like, I started picking up all yeah. of them as they went on. And I just 
some of them didn't really. I wasn't a huge fan of the Thor, Ultimate Thor. We talked about Ultimate Thor last yeah. week, and like, eh. <laughs> that's kind of my opinion on Thor in general. But nice. yeah, Spider Man was great. The the Brian Michael Bendis run right. on Ultimate Spider Man was, was fantastic. Good. Cap was great. Although then um, they ruined him in Ultimate, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of Mark Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he had done Civil War. He's also done a whole host of other other comics. He gets a special uh, thanks in the credits for this. Does he? Yeah, I missed it. Yeah, he's. I think. I think the Ultimates was a big influence on on what we see here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now you you said that who created this? Who created the original comic? Uh, Joe Simon and okay. Jack Kirby. All right, that's okay. That's what I had. I have yeah. Joe Simon because it was, but it was. It says he was the original creator. Is that mm-hmm. did he do it way before Kirby did it? He did it in the forties. He Joe and and Jack did it together in the forties. They brought in also a couple different. So the thing you have to understand about comics back in the 40s and even up to through the 50s was it was just a mad dash to continue to produce content and content and content. And, you know, the demand, the supply did not come close to the demand. So you were using these guys that were trading under different names to get them on different books. They were operating under one name and then they'd operate under a different name on another one. They'd just be churning stuff out. So there was a team effort used in Captain America. And and it's not like the comics we know today where there's, if it's Captain America or it's Batman or whomever, it's just a Batman story right? for 20 odd pages. Yeah. You get it. And you get a showrunner. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah. you're in charge of, you get the editor in chief, yeah. you get the, whoever it is that, or the, you know, the Batman editor or the Captain America editor. So everything ties together, mm-hmm. you know, like, like a showrunner would do. And so back then it'd be like, hey, here's five pages of Captain America. Here's four pages of like a filler story. Here's another five pages. So you had so many teams of, of people working. So it was Joe Simon and Jack Kirby are, are credited. But then there were dozens of other guys that were working on it back in the 40s. Okay. We can get into maybe on another episode the rights issues that a lot of these creators came into. Right. Which but is one of your, one of your many Minnesota episodes. That we one of the Minnesota yeah. episodes <laughs> that we'll get to, but the same thing happened with, with Simon saying in, in the Batman creator, Bill Finger, who for a long time, never got the appropriate credit. Same thing with Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster who created Superman. Like they had made these characters for the equivalent of like $300. Mm-hmm. That's what the deal was. They got paid. They didn't know the full value of it. So yeah. they fought and fought and fought to get their names on them, to get maybe residuals or some sort of back credit for what they had done. Yeah. There's, we don't have enough time to go into that, oh, Of course, not. but it is, a, <laughs> it's a contentious thing in the industry, you know, especially for creators. Now that's why a lot of them went independent mm-hmm. and can, can kind of control their own fate. You like can like Mark Miller, like Mark Miller. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get a lot easier to do now these yeah, days. Absolutely. So he's not the first Avenger in the comics. Is that correct? That's what I have here. He's not. He, uh, he joins later on. He's, he's like part of the second wave that happened in like four issues later. Okay. So was that like a retcon thing where they, cause in this movie, obviously he's the first Avenger, but they don't, what that's never referenced like that in the comic. Is it? Uh, I've stumped him. I love it. <laughs> I feel like they're just calling him in this film. Yeah, I don't know what the question is. It takes place back in time. So just right. saying he was a hero and maybe didn't join the team, but correct. Okay. He okay. Heroed up. What about the nickname Winghead? You want to take this one? Okay. Well, he's got wings on the side of his. Yeah, head. I know. Yeah. I get why. I'm saying that like it, a dumb name. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you just called Cap stupid. Nice. All right. Real nice. No, 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 no. Steve, please. <laughs> Uh, I mean, what else you got? Um, I can I can just ask you a bunch of stuff. You could. 
Let me see. We talked about the ultimates. We don't. We didn't hear what you think of the movie, Fields. Well, that, we're not at that point. I really like the movie. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. Um, what do you got for questions about the Tesseract? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but the Tesseract I, it's more about I've lost track of where it goes within the MCU. So I was going to save that for when we kind of talk okay. about that stuff. But if you want to if we want to get into that, if unless you've got more comic book stuff, we can just kind of like meld those two because I got something that kind of bridges the gap. Okay. Is the Zola character because I brought it up briefly earlier. Mm-hmm. So obviously he has that when you first see him, he's in that TV screen. Yeah. Okay. Now I know that later on in the movies, he, he's like, he pops up again, obviously, but that's from the comic as well. Right. Yes. Okay. So just explain that a little bit. I was going to kind of save that one for, see, here we go. I was going to save that one for winter soldier. I thought that was a good winter soldier. one. Okay. Well, I guess my question is in the second in the winter soldier movie. Yes. He's the bad guy. Right. He's like the mastermind almost because he gets trapped in that bunker and he pops up and he's just like, I've been here all along. You didn't know like that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay. Is that not right? Yeah. I mean, I would say just Hydra in general. That's what I'm saying. But he he being he being a a major part of Hydra. That's what I mean. Okay. But in this one, he's it's you don't get that sense. You get that sense that he's just kind of like in the background. He's not he hasn't really gotten to that point yet. But are we supposed to believe that he is secretly more evil devilish plans behind the scenes in this movie that or you know what I mean? Maybe. I think they try to keep him on the board as much as possible. Is he a big part of the comic? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think they wanted to keep him on the board, you know, so they could still use him down the road. Maybe they didn't have a plan. Bigger than Red Skull? No. Okay. So who is Captain America's mate? He's his major enemy in all all the comics. It's always Red Skull. And then Zola's always his second in command. No, Zola had gone off and done his own like been his own villain okay. on his own accord. The energy we have just collected it could power my designs. All my designs. This will change the war. Dr. Zola. This will change the world. So who are, the, who are some of the other kind of bad guys in the comics for Baron Captain Zemo. America? Baron Zemo. He's, and he's a Nazi too. Or Hydra. It's always Hydra. He's, he's, he's more Nazi. Yeah. I feel. He's like, he's big time. Yeah. But it's always either Hydra or Nazis for Captain America, obviously, because he's always in World War II. Yeah. Uh, he's not always in World War II. I sometimes mean, it's outer space, man. Sometimes yeah. Sometimes they de-age him. Sometimes they're dinosaurs. Jesus, come on. It's comic books. Sometimes it age itself when a serum runs out. Yeah. Uh, well, how about this? What about... Um, sometimes it's a world that actually was made better by Hydra running it. <laughs> so... In re- I'll give you a quick just kind of update of the state of Captain America. Okay, go ahead. And there was a, a series called Secret Empire that the Cosmic Cube was used to implant new memories into Cap where he was yeah. actually an agent of Hydra. I do not like beginning. this already. <laughs> it set the internet on fire. There's a scene where Cap is standing in his red, white, and blue costume and he says, Hail Hydra. Boy, oh boy, did the internet get mad. Oh, yeah. It got real mad. And then it turns out uh, the real cap is underneath it. So he comes out and he fights Hydra cap and blah, 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 blah. New comics by the writer Tanahisi Coates. Uh, You're looking at me like I know. <laughs> no, well, best, he's a best-selling author. He's, he's had a number of books. He now is writing Captain America. Cap has to now come to terms with what he did as, as Hydra cap. And he finds out like as he's trying to like reintegrate into this world that slightly looks like our own political landscape. He learns that a lot of these middle America towns were made better by Hydra 
through, you know, they provided jobs and better schools. And so when Hydra got taken away because they're Hydra, the people aren't too happy with it because they were secure and they were safe and, and they didn't really care that they were bad guys. It's like, yeah, but my kids have a place to go. I have a way to put food on my table. So Cap is now dealing with those ramifications. All the while, Red Skull, Alexander Lucan's coming back to life because comics. But <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the state of Captain America. Okay. Is Peggy Carter a big part of the comic? His big love interest? Mm-mm. You, so oh. he's he kind of he kind of is going with his uh, her uh, granddaughter Sharon Carter. Yes, in, that's, in, that's in, more that's more Captain America's girl in the new comics. All comics, it's pretty much all comics. Okay, so when he is in 1940s, Peggy Carter's an old lady. We mostly see Captain America now, yeah. or from when he goes woken up. So even since like the 60s and stuff, it's always oh, been okay. Sharon. Sharon Carter character, which we only briefly see really in in the rest of the MCU because they, they have to take her away because it gets awkward. <laughs> exactly because <laughs> things happen that later on. Uh, that she week. will be in. <laughs> Uh, Emily Van Camp, Sharon Carter will be in the Captain uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon no, Disney Plus show. That's fine because now Captain America won't be there to make like goo eyes at her and be really awkward. Now that we yeah, well, we're here. supposed to also believe that he's off living on uh, his life and ignoring everything that's happening. Okay, well, no, 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 not shush it. Let him and Peggy have a happy ending. You guys are skipping ahead. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is, I think we're, we're, we're away well. This. <laughs> this is what we're we're now. I think we're we now into this movie in the universe where it is in terms of when we watch it, but also the ripple effects and what's going to, mm-hmm. what's to come and what they're setting up in terms of down the road. One of those being the Peggy Carter, which she Peggy asked Carter for thing. the dance, you know, I'll, and you know what I mean? Like I have a date, like that's a great last line of the movie. I like that. You know, I, I, I had a date. I'll see you at the store club at 8 PM. Right. So now, so let's go. Cause let's go to that. Cause I know you cried yeah. in Endgame at this point. And that's why I want to bring it up. You big baby. <laughs> so he goes and you see them. He goes to the house, right? At the at when he goes, he, he just travels back in time and then they cut to a shot of him dancing with her in the with house. Her. Okay. Yeah. But wouldn't you think it would have been better if he goes to the store, if he goes back in that's time? That's what I said when I was yeah. watching oh, this. That would have been really cool. That would have been great. That would have yeah. been a and great moment. Because it's not eight o'clock when the when we see him in Endgame. It right. looks, maybe it's like but four you, o'clock. They should you shoot that. They should have had that. Dancing in the house, that could be their house. He could have bought that house later. This could she be has four a, months I think she has a ring on. I think they both have rings on. No, I think it's supposed to be like. Yeah, like you're supposed to assume that he met her at that date, but don't you want to see that? Wouldn't you want to see that moment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think okay with their dancing in general. Everybody thinks maybe he died. So him walking into a military dance hall a week later <laughs> <laughs> after maybe talking about a sacrifice it doesn't really play well. And I think Steve's more of a private guy. He doesn't know how to dance. So he wants somebody. He just wants to be with Peggy. And, and that's the one thing that I love. I love Haley Atwell. In, She's good in this. in this movie, in you know her portrayal and through the MCU, I think she's and she's in the sh- the show that they did. She's in the show, yeah. okay. Which it's too bad that failed because that was a good idea. They just I don't think they did it right. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. No, you, that's uh, that's all I was gonna say was I, I think she does a tremendous job. The chemistry for the two of them, and maybe it's because it's it's played out through the montages too. Yeah, but I think the chemistry is there a lot more than it is with Tony and Pepper. And especially Thor and, and Jane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you believe that these two people actually care about each other, love each other. And so when you get to the scene in Endgame, it's bittersweet. Well, the whole thing with the other characters in terms of Stark and Thor, uh, obviously Incredible Hulk was kind of shoehorned into this phase. So we'll kind of, you know, leave that out they of it a little bit. Or Betty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. All, like, but they're but, right. <laughs> but they're two guys that are going to have to also have a personal change in terms of their personality. 
where Cap is, he's a good guy right. through and through. He's just a good dude. So you're rooting for him immediately. Yeah. And you don't have to kind of get over the fact where oh, Thor is so pompous, you know, and you know, oh, he made eggs. He's fine now. <laughs> well, or, you know, or, you know, Tony's just, you know, how Tony is and, and stuff like that. Cause even Tony doesn't rectify that kind of personality trait forever until what end game. Right. Right. And they, yeah. it looks like he does. In, they're always back and forth. They're back and forth. Yeah. It looks like that. And we'll get this with Iron Man three, where it looks like he's like finally on the right track. And then you cut to Avengers two and it's like, oh no, we're back to Iron Man two, Tony. Right. Good. And so, so Cap has always been a good dude, and then that's a good moment when they're watching the newsreels, and he flips open the compass, and she yeah. sees his picture. That that that's a good scene too. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about Agent Carter is that you know clearly she's only in the car at the end to kiss him and to say, "Hey, I'll get that date with you." I get it. There's no reason why she needs to be in the supercar. There's no other reason other than wouldn't that. You, if you had a chance to jump in that supercar, wouldn't you? Jump I know, in but, that yeah, car? but, she, nope. but, it, yes. but it also, and what, maybe it's, this, I don't know, maybe it just looked awkward. But she's also like in the car and just like, ah, none of that's real. Is any of this real? <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine Tommy Lee Jones like sitting on these green blocks and what the <laughs> am I doing? <laughs> I love his line though. After Cap looks at him after Peggy kisses him, I ain't kissing you. <laughs> that's a good line. I want to talk about two things. I lost track of what happens to the Tesseract throughout the timeline of the MCU because. Howard Stark hat finds it. Mm-hmm. So is that the same Tesseract that they go and get in Endgame that they steal from the government installation? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you want the timeline? Yeah. Give me the timeline because right. I'm really confused now. <laughs> At some point, it drops from the world of Asgard or something into Earth. We've seen this. Where in we've Thor. seen it's in. So then it, now it's in Norway. Johan Schmidt picks it up in the 40s, right before the start of World War II. When do, well, when do we see it happen? Is it in Thor we see this? Because I forgot already. Do you yes, know, Mike? I don't think they show how it got to Earth. They might just say it. it in Guardians. Maybe it's one of the Guardians. Does, when the collector shows like what happened to the, yes. the stones, I think he describes, and maybe we see just a brief glimpse of it in yes. the hologram. So that's when we, okay, yeah. so, so, so Schmidt grabs it. 40s, Schmidt gets it. And then, you know, uses it throughout to power Hydra weapons. Then eventually it drops out of the, 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 ship. Yep. the ship. Howard Stark picks it up. Yep. He starts to do tests on it in the hands of the SSR, mm-hmm. who eventually becomes S.H.I.E.L.D. And so in the 70s, he has it at the whatever the camp is that Captain America yeah. trains at. So it's there, which is where Tony and Steve go and steal it. That's in the 70s? I thought that was during World War II. No, no, no it was the 70s. He's, yeah, he's uh, pregnant with Tony. His wife's pregnant uh, with Tony. Yeah. Okay, okay. Question. If he has that Tesseract, why does he need to build a new element in Iron Man 2 for the Stark Expo if he already had the power of that blue box? Ooh. They don't know how to use the blue box, really. That's okay. That's yeah. that power that they keep messing up. Like, on, like, Zola figured it out, but obviously... Okay. Yeah, but don't they? Isn't Zola work? Don't they have Zola in the government? They do Zola because Zola's referenced in dialogue in that scene when uh, Howard's going down in that like weird little like because the cube is in like a basement. It's in a box like they locked it with like kind of like it's um, locked in a basement, kind of like Ark of the Covenant style, yeah. right? Yeah, and so it doesn't look like they're they're doing anything. But Howard says something like Zola is that you or Arnim is that you? Yeah. So you know that that's you know and Zola's working for Shield. So through the seventies. Stark has it. Shield has it. Eventually, it makes its way to I think it's Shield still and in Project Pegasus. Wasn't that Captain Marvel? That's Captain Marvel. Yeah, and so she uses it, and then it stays in in stasis for a while until I guess the end teaser scene of Thor. Okay, where 
Nick Fury, for some reason, decides to take it out of the box and say, Dr. Selvig, work with this. Okay. There's got to be a timeline it's, board somewhere. Yeah. In it, well, then it becomes this the main thing. thing in the Avengers. Right. Thor takes it back to Asgard. In the vault. In the vault. We see it again in Ragnarok, I mm-hmm. believe, when Hela walks by and was like, eh. And then Loki steals it because he has it in Infinity War when it's revealed it's an Infinity Stone. Because he breaks, he, he breaks smashes it. Yeah. it. Not him, but Thanos, right? Thanos does, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I guess yeah. I can so try track that now. They So basically they have it, but they really don't know how to Use do it. anything. And yeah. so we're supposed to believe also Zola's not helping them because he's really Hydra. So they're not really ever going to be able to use it. You know what I mean? If he's working with them. Or at to, least until to, Hydra finally decides. Right. To exactly. Because I would assume that Zola already knows how to use it because he figured it out right. with when he was with Red he Skull first and, and yeah. First yeah. Avenger. Yeah. Okay. We do see in Avengers, and we'll get to that next episode, but they're using Tesseract powered weapons. So they're doing the same thing that Hydra did. So it was a nice little catch. The bad guys. The ba- uh, no, S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, is right. doing the same thing that Hydra did in the, in the 40s to make weapon energy weapons. So it's a nice little catch, and maybe that's when they started to set up the. Well, that as we know, yeah, they're, Hydra yeah, is Shield is Hydra, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that might be when they started to kind of set up the Winter Soldier review. And they make the biggest tanks and the biggest. Oh, the tank is ridiculous. Air, and all I'm thinking, like, <laughs> unnecessary. Uh, when Red Skull's doing his speech and they're doing the Hail Hydra thing, and they, he's standing by that big plane, I'm like, that tire is huge. Where are you getting? Who's been? Who's building that? What I love is that tire is practical because. This is totally the uh, Chris Evans or a stunt double hanging on it as it goes into the plane yeah. and it's still kind of spinning. I was like, that's, a really- <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> did you know that we did a pass on this script? Josh, we yes. did, did a pass on Cap- Captain America script. Do you like that? I mean, like so after he got the Avengers job, so he's like, oh, you're going to direct Avengers. Take a look at the script. Help us out. I'm not surprised that, like we said, there's some good witty moments with Tommy Lee Jones and a few other ones. Oh, uh, yeah, he could have written, you know, those. he could have added those in there. You know, I think maybe the, I, I don't know this for a fact, but the scene when um, Erskine and, and Steve are drinking the night before the, the procedure. Oh, that's very Whedon esque. That's, yeah. Yeah. I could see him doing that one. That's a good, that's a good scene. That is a good scene. He's like, what, what are you doing? You can't. No you liquids. Can't, <laughs> no liquids. You have a procedure tomorrow. It's like, Steve's like, oh, okay, we'll have it tomorrow. He's like, no, no, I could drink this. Yeah, after that. <laughs> he probably also did the uh, end scene as well, the, the modern day scenes, because yes. those don't look like Johnson. And also, if you watch the Blu-ray, um, there's an extended deleted scene um, of Steve waking up in the future. I'm more of him with Samuel Jackson, and it's the only deleted scene where Joe Johnson doesn't have a commentary on it. Oh, wow. So I'd almost wonder if we didn't directed that probably during the filming of Avengers. What we've discovered is a lot of the post credit scenes for the movies. So like Iron Man 2's post credit scene, which was the Thor stuff, was directed by Kenneth Branagh, who did Thor. And Thor's post credit scene for Captain America was directed by Joe Johnston. So a lot of the people that have signed on to the movie direct the post credit scene almost. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, we thought that was interesting. So I'm wondering if we had something to do with that scene. Because well, maybe because that's kind of their tag. Because the kinda, tag at the end of Captain just America is punch just a trailer it, which for is, which, Yeah. Yeah, on the DVD, it's just kind of like it fades out, and then like they have the when he's punching the bag, and then it fades out, and you don't see the trailer. Just, this may no, yeah. this may some heroes need to be assembled. Speaking of how it looks and, and just scenes, the one thing that oh, I always forget that it's in this, but the one thing that throws me is the opening where they discover the the frozen ship. What did you guys think of it? Because I don't like it doesn't. I thought it was an alien ship. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it plays off different. It plays almost like a horror movie. I feel like I that's think. what they want. They want to throw you for a loop. Yeah. Only I, I, I don't know if it's necessary because 
then you're right to the 40s. And your first scene is not with Cap, is it? It's with Red Skull in Norway. Yes. Yeah, because that's when he gets the test. Yeah, I don't think you need it. I don't think you need it. Yeah, you could cut it. Yeah. Yeah, why, why have it there? Just, just be- to end Cap, it just... Yeah, but like I mean, like the I mean, why have it in the opening? There's no need yeah. for it. There's no reason to have that. You could have done kind of like a time lapse thing where the snow covers it over and stuff like that, yeah, and then like have that, somebody yeah. Yeah. wipe, like you know, like somebody just wipe the snow. Like, what's yeah. going on? Like that stuff. Do that. You got, a, you got a brief shot of it going down, but yeah, that would have been more like dramatic and more yeah. like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah. It's almost like a, it's almost yeah. like I know how to direct movies. <laughs> well, yeah, it just seems cap in ten years. And the whole <laughs> back to phase one again. One A. Yeah, one I'm a. wondering who'll be first calling me on the phone. <laughs> Hey, my, it's Mike Butler. How you doing from Forgotten Cinema? <laughs> <laughs> we heard your uh, criticisms of Captain America, the first Avenger. You want to take a swing, swing in at this time? Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just I, that that scene, like I want to forget, like I said, I forget that it's in there, but tonally and just color wise, it looks different than everything in this movie and then everything in the rest of the MCU. It, it does look like it's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for like a husky dog to start running up on him. <laughs> uh, the thing is so iconic now that anything in the in the anything in the a winter Arctic like that, yeah, you're yeah. gonna always immediately think of that. So when he wakes up and that nurse comes in, that was actually gonna be Scarlett Johansson. That she was gonna be that character. Oh, was it supposedly? Yeah. So um, um, it's good that they didn't because then you would immediately. I mean, because you want to like kind of believe like what's happening. You don't. You want to have that mystery like, oh my god, did he? Is yeah. this really back yeah. then? So if she shows up, you're just like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Here's my question. What would happen if he looked out the window? Like, uh, what was their big plan there? I have no idea. Because they leave him alone. He gets out and of bed. Were there windows? Because yeah. when he, there when are, he there are two breaks windows. out of that room. Well, oh, then, there's, it's obviously like a digital screen yeah, or something. Okay. Yeah. So what happens if he looks down there and goes, oh, there's no street there. Yeah. So that's the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but also, are they that dumb that they don't realize that that, played, that game was before he woke up? I guess do your just, research, guys. Come on. Yeah. Also, who changed him? They obviously cleaned him up and washed him up and oh, sure combed his have, hair. I'm and sure they have doctors. I know. <laughs> Important questions with Mike Field. <laughs> just saying, things happen. Who wipes cat? It's going to be one of your minisodes. <laughs> let's pivot. Um, let's talk because we brought it up and we teased it early. Mike and Mike, let's Alan Silvestri music. I know you guys said, or at least one of you said, you loved it. That was great. I said I liked it. Damn. Oh, you're the one that said you liked it. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I did like it too, but okay. that's one thing he actually liked. I, I did not not like this movie. <laughs> I think this is the first time we actually get like a hero score, it feels like. Yes. And it plays well into the rest of the Avengers. But, you know, I, you know we talked about Iron Man 2. It's yeah. nobody cares about that score. Iron Man doesn't really have a theme. Yeah. He doesn't. And Captain America is really the only... Thor doesn't really have a theme that you can like get stuck in your head or yeah. whatever cap does. And then that kind of is a nice morph. Like you said, cause Sylvester does Avengers. Right. Everybody knows the Avengers theme. Does he do all the Avengers? Cause I don't know. I his, don't think he MCU. does age of Ultron. I think no, they use the Avengers theme, but I think he's yeah. just like credited for that. Yeah. I think he does. He does Avengers and then infinity war and end game. I don't think he did winter soldier either. Did he? No, it's Henry Jackman did civil war and winter soldier. Whoa. All right, so I mean, I guess we're wrapping up. If unless you had anything else, Pat, you wanted to talk about. Did you have a question about John Slattery? Oh the- yes. So the Howard Stark character obviously just keeps changing. Um, yeah. I like Dominic Cooper as Howard Stark in this. I don't know why he didn't come back for 
I, I guess because it's in the 70s, like you said, maybe that makes sense that they just had Slattery again. They had started to age him in Iron Man 2 when they did the, the fast forward. So he's the older. Well, it was John forward. Slattery in Iron Man 2. Right. right. But in this one, it's obviously he's younger. He's a different character. So that's 30 years. I guess they yeah. have to like, keep it John Slattery. That's Because I think he comes back in Agent uh, Peggy Carter's show. He's, he's back as Howard Stark. Who, uh, Dominic Cooper? Dominic yes. Cooper, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, I believe so. So they're just kind of like, all right, well, you got to imagine, I guess, hard living. Yeah. Like at that point in Iron Man 2, he's like this raging alcoholic. Yeah. I have not seen that game since they came out in the theater, but I always thought they went back to the camp when it was in the in World War II, but you said 70s, so that 70s, makes sense yeah. if it's slattery. That's fine. Yeah, I got a problem with that. Was Red Skull always going to be transported to Vormir to be the Soul Stone keeper, I guess? Was that was that where he when he goes off into space at the mm-hmm. end of this movie? Is that what the intent was? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know though. So they knew not to kill him. Just to, they were like, we're, we're going to leave it yeah. open ended. It just doesn't make any sense that you're holding the blue infinity stone and you're going to go take care of the yellow one now. Right. Because the soul stone is the yellow one, right? Orange. Orange. Okay, whatever. You're going to go take care of a completely different stone on a different planet. Well, that, I think that's, that's his, your punishment. You know, he, I think that's his punishment because he lusts it over one stone in the, in the Cosmic Cube for so long that his punishment now is to, and I think he even says this, to ferry people to it and he can't get it. Who's made that punishment for him? The stone. I don't know. <laughs> uh, interesting. I mean, things, That's an interesting take, Pat. Because, <laughs> because comics, man. He's already said. Is that in the comics? These things become sentient. Yes. <laughs> like, so the, the <laughs> you wanted me so bad. Now you're going to go take care of my friend, Soulstone. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, like, I think, you know, when you say, why did they leave it open ended? When they started talking about Winter Soldier and they, you see the trailers with Robert Redford's character. I think a lot of people thought that he might actually be the Red Skull incarnate, given the comics that he comes back to life constantly and that maybe he takes on other other people's features, other other faces or whatever. He could be that could be Alexander. So he could still come back at some point. Possibly. I think well the Red Skulls. Yeah, okay. And and Mike, I'm sure you had this thought too, where when Steve has to go and deliver the stones back to where he got them from. Mm Mm-hmm. That's uh, got to be a trippy. That, that would have been awesome. That 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 could have been. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want a deleted scene, but I wouldn't mind like filming that now and adding it to like one of their Blu-rays later on down the line as a short. Just like, oh, did I have the right address or something like that? Like, <laughs> yeah. Although, would Red Skull really remember him the same way? Like, Steve would, though. Steve would remember yeah. him, but it's like how much of Red Skull is still within that spirit that just guides everyone. That's a good point. Like, who is talking when Red Skull talks? Like, he says I, but is that just because his body is I? Like, mm-hmm. who is Red Skull now? Mm-hmm. You could use him. Then, if that's not him, you could transplant his brain then into something. His spirit could still go anywhere. Because mm-hmm. comics. And you've got the new Fal- <laughs> Captain Falcon Winter Soldier. They've got to pick up where he left off and use some more uh, Captain America villains, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, well, on that note, I think we'll probably wrap up. Mike, thanks for... What's up? No, I was going to say, should we revisit this? that's not the podcast come on (laughs) apparently i've got this uh, i don't like any movie apparently is that what's going on here it's definitely the no no that's your that i'm that was a connection to your no i got that i got that no absolutely butler thanks for joining us i hope you uh thanks for having us thank you i thought you enjoyed being i hope you enjoyed it the experience of talking about on a podcast yeah you like it isn't it isn't it new it's it's interesting we already pimped forgotten cinema so i'm not gonna do it again i guess join Pat and I will return. We will. Pat and I will return in the Avengers next week. <laughs> well, we return in talking about the Avengers, I guess. So that's the next episode. And that'll close out our phase one uh, section of this uh, yet another 
MCU podcast. Pat's going to end it with some recommended reading. So Mike and I will just stand here silently watching while Pat talks. But thanks, guys. We'll talk. We'll, I'll talk to you next week. And uh, go ahead, Pat. Take it away. As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards, and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor at DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. Today we're reading about Captain America, obviously. First on the list is The Marvels Project by Ed Brubaker with art by Steve Epting. It was released in partnership with Marvels or, or Timely Comics as we met today, their 70th anniversary. It's basically a great reintroduction of some of Marvel's Golden Age characters like Captain America, Bucky, Namor, the original Human Torch um, in a world that's just about to enter World War II. So it's a great jumping on point, great introduction for people who are fans of the World War II aspect of this film. The second one also taking place during World War II is Captain America and Bucky, The Life of Bucky Barnes, uh, which collects Captain America number 620 to 624 by Mark Andreco, Ed Brubaker again, and art by Chris Samney. It's a collection of standalone stories that captures Steve and Bucky's early years fighting together in the war and then later touches on Bucky's role as a Cold War assassin. Uh, and, and it's a good bridge between this film and then Winter Soldier. That'll be the next Captain America movie we get to. And then finally, but not certainly not least, is Mark Wade's seminal run on the character. Wade is the architect of a number of key runs on characters like Superman, Flash, Spider-Man, Daredevil, many, many, many more uh, his run on Captain America is no different. Pick up the Captain America Wade, Ron Garney, and Andy Cooper omnibus. So it collects over 40 issues. And there's especially uh, Captain America number 17, which is mixed in the middle of all that, where Steve faces a cosmic cube wielding Red Skull. And that proves that with or without the super serum, Captain America can do this all day. Thanks for reading, and we'll see you next week.